<laughs> uh, there's a lot there. So, and I said, you know, I think church is going well. I think what we're doing is we're there's some anticipation of what the Holy Spirit might do in our lives. There's some there's some looking forward to what you know what is going on around us in our community. Um, there's some, you know if you want to, for lack of a better term, I feel like there's a temperature where we're, we're saying, okay, God, what do you want to do in our lives as individuals, and then what do you want to do in Lakeland Vineyard? I believe that there's some community that's growing within the church. And really, I believe that community is where, in unity, uh, is where God is leading us, right? And because of outside of unity and knowing one another, uh, what we find is that we come to Sunday service in what it can become is a country club, right? Um, and so our country club, it really isn't that attractive. We don't have great donuts. We don't have any donuts, right? Um, we have a, we offer a small thing of bread, but that's communion, and so and juice, and, and and our coffee is good, and and but, but but so as far as a country club, we're failing. But as far as the community, I think that we're 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 learning how to become a community, and and then it's a community of care for the people that are around us, right? And so, and again, it's this thing about not knowing everyone, but being known by someone and knowing someone. That's what the deal is. I just want to relieve everybody is this. Uh, the expectation is not for you to know everybody in the room as well as you can, but to be known by somebody and to know somebody. And to sharpen one another uh, in, this, in this walk um, that we have together, this opportunity that we have together. Uh, in following Jesus. And so I just want to encourage you that I believe that, that Lakeland Vineyard is on the right track to see the things uh, that, to see the things happen that God is calling us to do. And a lot of that involves us saying yes to the things that he's calling us to do. And to say yes um, together. And so I just can't uh, reiterate to you enough that these meetings are great. I love these meetings. I think they're Unique in the fact that you know there's going to be no other meeting like this happen again, right? Uh, and I also believe that uh, you know as we go out into our day, there's got, there's not going to be days like that that happen again. And so to be in tune to what God is doing around us, um, you know, and how many of you messed up this week at all? <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting. Okay. Oh, no, no, I don't know. There's no inside information there. Um, and so, uh, no, I mean, we all have, right? And so, and we get, like, discouraged, maybe, and, like, oh, I shouldn't have said that, or I shouldn't have done that. What I would just, you know, here's what I would say. Ask God for forgiveness. Ask the person with whom you've offended for forgiveness. And, and, and let's, let's move on in the things that God wants us to do. Because I believe that the enemy of our soul would love us to get stuck in this pattern of feeling guilty all the time about the things that we've done wrong. I think Jesus is saying, hey, I didn't like that, you know. I forgive you. I've already forgiven you. Ask for forgiveness. And let's, let's carry on with the mission at hand. And I believe that's what God is calling us to do. Um, and so as we continue here in this, in this passage, in this gospel of John, um, 17 is where we're going to pick up here. We're going to go through this whole chapter today. And uh, this is a prayer of Jesus. Um, and so what I want to do is I just want to read the first 19 verses to you. 
and I want you to follow along with me. Now here's what I thought would be great, is if we could just picture Jesus praying this. So however you need to do that, whether that's to close your eyes or whatever you might want to do, this is the Lord that's praying this to the Father. Right? This is not just me reading a story. This is Jesus praying this prayer to the Father. And so he says, it says here, after saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, he began to pray. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me in this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know it, and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for this world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given me to them, so they bring glory, bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name, so that they will be united just as we are. During this time, during my time here, I protect them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. Now, I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they would be filled with joy. I have given them the word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them, so they can be made holy by your truth. That is a portion of the prayer of Christ. And so what struck me was, and takeaway number one is this, and it's very similar to a takeaway from last week that my dad had, was this. Takeaway number one is there is power in the name. There is power in the name. And if you didn't catch it, I'd love for you to catch it, is in the book of John, he says these what are called I am statements. And they're found in John 6, 8, 9, 10, 11, 14, and 15. I'm just going to read what they say. I am the bread of life. Before Abraham was born, I am. 
I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true grapevine. And so as we, we talk about this, when Jesus talks about the name in here, in these verses, um, from which he was given power, from which he was protected, from which now these people, his disciples, will be protected, what we're talking about is this name, and, and really the importance of it can't be overstated. It comes from the Hebrew, uh, Y-H-W-H. We would say it as moderns as Yahweh. And we would actually say it. What we have here, though, is this name, which Moses gets revealed to him as he's asking, How, who am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to go back and tell them who you are? And, and, and God answers and says, I am. Capital I. Capital A. Capital M. I am. And. and so what happens is, in the Old Testament, when it's translated into Greek, is the Septuagint, right? It, that, that Y-H-W-H, the name that they didn't utter because it was so holy, because God is so holy. We need to understand that God is not like us. He is set apart and He is holy. He invites us into his presence that we may be made holy like he is holy. And so when we talk about this name, this name that wasn't spoken, what it gets translated into is ego ami. Ego ami. And that's the Greek, and that's what it's translated to. And when he says these I am phrases, he's being very provocative in his speech because when he says these things, when he says it like he said it, he is saying that I am the Son of Man. I am and share the character of my Father. I am the incarnate God. See, because if we just do a reading here, we don't understand what Jesus is saying here and what he said in the past in John when he says these I am statements. It is very very important to understand this. I am. Much like, exactly like, it was revealed to Moses. I am. So he's using this name, and this is provocative to his listeners, especially the Jewish listeners, because they are saying, what is he saying? Did we ever, if you've ever read any of the Gospels, you've noticed some people that get mad at Jesus? You've seen that? Okay? It's because he's saying things like this. You know, I was listening the other day. Uh, it, it, when Jesus, if he said that he was the Son of God, that wasn't a big deal. Do you realize that? Like, other people were referred to as sons of God. When he says he is the Son of Man, alright, that is divine in nature. And so when he says this, he's saying this, ego and me, and it is the intentional introduction of Jesus' divine character. And so we read the passages and these words that are pouring out to the Father here in, in chapter 17, uh, we need to think about the name of God and the importance of the name. And, 
and a name that was so holy, again, like I said, dare not speak it. Right? You get, we got the vowels later. And we said Yahweh. And so another important point to keep in mind is who is praying this prayer? Who is it that's praying this prayer for his disciples? Well, it's the one through whom which everything was created. The word becomes flesh in Jesus. Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. The only begotten Son, meaning that He shares the character or is the likeness of. He is the same of, or He is of the same as God. When He comes to earth, we see fully divine, fully man, as Jesus is our incarnationally or with us, he comes. And he comes in power, and people's lives are changed. And so this prayer that he's praying is that really the onset of what his glorification is, meaning from his arrest to his trial to his crucifixion to the resurrection. This is the beginning of a new kind of chapter, a new feel in the book of John. He says, you know, you, you basically blessed the work that I've done. I've completed the work that he's done. And he's, what it, I want you guys to understand too, that you know, the hour has come. It, it wasn't 60 minutes. Okay? The hour speaks of a term that is longer and that includes all of what I just said. The hour has come. And, and so... Here's what I love about Jesus, again, is he is on mission. He will not be sidetracked. He's on mission. And yet what he knew was ahead of him. He knows that this is coming. And he still takes the time. I just want us to grasp this for a second. What is ahead of him is known to him. And he still takes the time. And he says this prayer partially about himself and then mostly about the disciples. A man who is going to suffer greatly is concerned about the people that are following him. Amen. And so he's praying for those around him. And then we find this language, which maybe you've read this before, and you thought of it, or maybe you've read it and you didn't think of it. So either way, let's think of it today. All right, verse 9 says this, My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. Whoa, Jesus. I thought God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now you're not praying for the world? What's going on? Let's not twist those words. Uh, here's what the deal is. We have to look at the entire narrative of the gospel and realize that, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God loves the world in which he created. But here's the deal. He's, he's praying for his disciples that they may be protected, that they might be on mission. He is not praying for the world in this case. That does not mean that he doesn't love the world. But 
May I propose something to you that I thought was interesting? He's not praying for the world. That's what he says. But he's praying for the world. Yeah. Want us to catch this? He's praying for the disciples that they would be protected in the name of Jesus, that they would be able to go out to the world, that they would be able to deliver the good news to the world because he knew that, in fact, the world would be changed because of these disciples' lives. Amen. And Jesus had not given up on the world, but he knows that his time in the world is coming to an end, and he knows that the work of the gospel will now be in the hands of those who follow him, who are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so the world he loves so dearly, he's going to leave. The world he loves so dearly, he recognizes the transformation will come through those who call themselves his disciples and are united with him. And how does this transformation happen? It's found in verse 18 and 19. He says, just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I just want to tell everybody and myself this morning that that is still happening. Amen. Jesus has made himself a sacrifice. He died on the cross. He resurrected so that we could go out and tell people the good news of Jesus. So that we could be made holy by his truth. Think about that. Now, I want us to get a character in mind here of Captain Holy Pants. <laughs> one that I made up. And, you know, he's the guy that's got everything together. You know, he hears somebody who's a follower of Christ uh, you know, maybe say a cuss word and his nose just goes up. Hmm, I thought you were a Christian. <laughs> hmm. uh, he sees uh, you yell at somebody, oh. Not that Captain Holy Pants. We've all had a Captain Holy Pants in our lives. They're almost as annoying as people that correct your English. You know? Like, when it's something like, yeah. Some people need to be corrected. I get it. Uh, but here's the, the, you know, and, and so but they, they got it all together. So they think. And they won't tell you about it. And so, uh, but the reality is this, that um, we're in process. And that by the power in the name of Jesus Christ that we are being made more like him. Yeah. And I just want to relieve everybody this morning, if you don't have it all together, you're in great company. Because it's not about having it all together. It's about being set apart. Being made holy, and not by yourself, but by the power of the Spirit working within you. Being set apart does not mean that you are better than or deserve more of. It means that you, are, you have been filled with the grace of God and His mercy. And you've experienced that. So I want to read uh, the remainder of the passage. And it starts in verse 20. It says this. I am not praying. This is Jesus continuing his prayer. I am not praying only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. 
I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. Are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do, and these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Takeaway number two is this. Rescued people rescue people. Mm. Rescued people rescue people. I give you this example. The building is on fire. Not this one. It's metal. I don't know exactly what you do. Smoke a lot, probably. But a building is made of wood frame, and you're inside of this wood frame building. You are inhaling smoke. You are trying to do all the right things. You're, you're trying to get down so that, you know, heat rises, smoke rises. You're trying to not inhale as much as you can. You're going through. You're finding your way. Your eyes are burning. Your hearing might be a little bit off because something's happening over here. And you're going through and you get out and you take this breath of air and you realize that it feels like the air just from the outside has been run through this insanely awesome purifier because of all the stuff that you were inhaling. You come out and you're like... And then you give it a few seconds, probably minutes, and you're thinking, oh, my eyes are beginning not to burn as much as they were. And as the thought comes to you that there's other people inside who are in trouble, there's something in you that says, be safe, stay here. But there's something else that's saying, you need to go and you need to help these people out. You know that they're in there. You know them by name. And what are you going to do? And then you go back into the building and you try your best because you know that they are experiencing the same thing that you just came out of. And you go back into the building and your desire is to save them, to put them in a safe space, to know that they are okay, that they can come out and they can breathe the fresh air, that they can have life once again. Rescued people rescue people. That's what we do. As followers of Jesus, there's this power that's in the name. We're not being protected by what we can do. We're being protected by what Jesus has done. He's rescued us. And I wonder if we have anything to give. 
you might be saying, well, what about real life? Okay, thanks for the thanks for the scenario there. Thank you for the story. You know, that person maybe ended up on News Channel 8 and they got picked up on the Today Show, a couple radio shows later, you know, a couple podcasts. But what about you and I that aren't going to experience that? What about the mundane? What about real life? What if no one ever knew your name? But they knew the name of Jesus because they knew you. What if? See, because the reality is this. Not everybody is going to know your name. And I just want to believe you again, and that's okay. Not everybody's going to know your name, but are they going to know the name? Not everybody needs to know your name. You don't need to give them a business card. When you go to help them, you just help them. You just make sure they're okay. You give them whatever God is, is leading you to do. You know, you sit down with someone who's having a rough day and you talk to them. Interesting enough, as Jesus prays this prayer, this portion of the prayer, isn't it interesting that above everything else for us that he's praying for, because he says, I'm not only praying for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe, that's you and me, if you ever, if you believe in Jesus, Jesus is praying for you here. Isn't it interesting though, that he starts with unity? Unity, not unity, but I don't want us to get this idea like, oh yeah, like, you know, next week we'll come in and share to be in a circle. And uh, hopefully Josh will just have an acoustic unplugged and we'll be able to rip some kumbaya. Yeah, that's not the unity that he's talking about. He, he starts with unity with the Father and Son. Did you see that? Here, here's what I would, because Because if we don't have unity with the Father and Son, and we try to have unity with one another, done. It's, it's a no-go. Before it starts, it's already a failure. Unity with the Father and the Son allows us to be on mission then. If we're here, and then we're going to be okay here. If we're here with this relationship, the Father and Son, we're unity, and we, we're empowered by the Spirit, and we're in, in unity with the Father and the Son, and then when we go out on mission and we interact with people, and people might not agree with what we're doing or saying, but I know that I'm in unity with the Father and Son and empowered by the Holy Spirit, that's okay. I'm not looking for fans. Right? I want to tell people about the truth and in love I want to tell them about Jesus and how he's changed my life. So that's the baseline here is like we have to be in unity with the Father. We have to be in unity with the Son, empowered by the Holy Spirit. See, he understands without this unity, uh, we don't really find new life. Here's what we find. I just want to propose this to you this morning is that when we try to have a, a, a relationship with God without Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Father, what we've had, we're just trying to form new patterns of being good in our lives with some advice from Jesus. See, what Jesus is calling us to is that we would actually become holy, meaning set apart, 
That, in other words, we would die to ourselves, be set apart from what the Father wants to do, and that our lives would be transformed. He doesn't want a part of us or a new pattern. He wants everything. That's right. And why do I know this? Well, because he says there, and I gave myself as a holy sacrifice for them. So, they could be made holy not by your truth. I want to read these other passages to you. Has ever heard of a book called Philippians? Don't read it. Don't read it. Reverse psychology. Don't you dare. Check it out. Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Uh, the, the title of the section, of course, guys, if you ever read scripture, uh, just know that people went through and they separated these into chapters. Okay? They gave it the subtitles. That isn't how like, you open like, the Greek. That's <laughs> not how it's written. Okay? So, but, but I'll give you the subtitle of this whole chapter is Have the Attitude of Christ. And it says this in Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Uh, is there any encouragement? Uh, from belonging to Christ, any comfort from His love, any fellowship together in the Spirit. Are your hearts tender and compassionate that make me truly happy, this is Paul speaking, by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish, don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ had. Listen to this. Though he was God, though he had that name that was above all other names, he did not think of equality with God as something to be, to cling to. Really what it says is to be to grasp for it. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took on the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord Hallelujah. to the glory of the Father. Amen. One chapter over, maybe in your Bible you have to flip the page. I don't have to, but chapter 3, verse 7 uh, says this. I just want to give some preface here. Paul was like, Paul was like, he was like highly educated. Okay. Highly powerful in uh, the synagogue and in Jewish society. I mean, he was known. All right. And so here's what, he, here's what he's talking about in verse 7. I thought these things were valuable. All these things. The status. All right. All of this. Knowing the law inside and out. Being seen as holy by other people. He says, I thought... All these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, 
I discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right within himself depends on faith. And Paul says this, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Rescued people rescue people. And Paul does all of this in the name above all other names, Jesus Christ. And I believe this, that God is calling us to the same thing. He's calling us to a mindset that says, when I I survey everything that I've ever had, and ever done or ever accomplished, it is all rubbish compared to knowing you, Jesus. All of it. The freshest pair of shoes I ever had, rubbish compared to knowing you. Alright? The nicest car, the nicest house. Wait a second. My marriage. What? Yeah, Francis Chan in his book called uh, Him and His Wife wrote a book uh, Together Forever. The first chapter, and he uses it sometimes for premarital counseling, is marriage isn't all that great. (laughs) (laughs) Subtitle, In the Light of Eternity. Francis, I'll call him Francis because we're friends. Um, (laughs) Francis says this one thing. He said, you know, about his wife, he said, I'm not really, I'm not, I don't want to be overly concerned with these 75 to 80, 90 years that we have because I want to prepare us for an eternal living. And I just wonder if we, if we shifted a little bit in our perspective, I don't, I really don't think it would be that much of a perspective shift. I really feel like if we were to take this thing seriously and say, Everything is rubbish, okay? It doesn't mean you have to treat people like trash. It means that in comparison to knowing Jesus, there's nothing that holds a light to it. Okay? Now, I've seen people abuse this. Right? Serving the Lord. I don't have time for my family. Well, God gave you your family for a reason. That doesn't equate Right? The deal is this thing, that God loves everything. So that they, your kids, um, your kids, your friends, they're going to be better off if you have an eternal vision for life. There's going to be an understanding that, guess what? God, in knowing Christ, is the most important thing that I could ever do. So stand with me, good. I'm going to ask a simple prayer if you pray it with me. Uh, not, you don't have to repeat it. 
could you fill us up with your spirit? That we might take on the attitude of Christ that knowing you isn't about the benefits, but it's what we can do in the kingdom of God through the power of the Holy Spirit that might change other people's eternity. We've been rescued by you. Praise you, God. May we rescue others in your name. And as we walk out of this building, may we be on mission for you. With an understanding that our lives were created for this moment. That our past, even this morning past, doesn't define us. But you, Jesus, and what you've done in us being in you and you in us and in unity with you and, and fellowship with brothers and sisters of Christ that you are perfecting us. So help us to go out. Not as heroes, but as servants. On mission to rescue those by telling people about you and the reality of Jesus Christ what he has done in our lives and how he has rescued us. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 There's going to be some people up here who will be praying with you about things. So if you need that, um, just say, come on up. And uh, if not, we'll see you next week. Peace.